Super Bowl Sunday. Hallelujah. I always hate to see this day come because I love NFL football. That may sound kind of silly, but it's the end of something I love. I start telling Elizabeth when the playoffs start, I almost hate to see it start because I know it's going to end. But you know what? We all know what it's like to try to help our neighbor or try to provide for our family only to fall short, come up short of what we want to accomplish. You know, somebody's going to go home the loser today in this game, right? My son played a basketball game yesterday, and every time you play a game, one wins, one loses. So many times we find that accompanying these dreams and broken desires when we fall short is what happens is we want to lose heart and give up. We want to lose heart and give up on marriage. We want to lose heart and give up on raising our kids. We want to lose heart and give up on our job and quit and go look for something else. Elizabeth put a quote on the church Facebook page saying, the grass isn't greener on the other side, it's where the grass is watered. What was it? It's greener where you water. That is good. Take care of what you got. It'll be green. It's what God has already provided. God's wanting to bless what He's provided. God's wanting to bless you right where you are, not where you want to be, not where you think it looks better. No, if you'll water your grass, it'll grow. So in our failures, getting through our failures, everybody has failures. You got to be able to pick yourself up and continue. It's a fact that no man or woman has ever achieved anything great without falling down at some point. We watched uh, we watched a movie last night called Secretariat and that showed a, uh, a horse being born. And, you know, within a few minutes of a horse being born, they get up and walk, but they fall down, but they get back up. They fall down, they get back up. Watch a child learning to walk. They will fall down. Just get ready. It's not the end of the world. They're going to fall down, but they're going to get back up. They're not going to quit. Somehow we come out of the womb ready to go. Let me walk. Put me down, mama, so I can walk. It is in us to succeed. We've got to learn to be okay with failure. And failure is not okay. We don't want to just be content with failure. We want to learn from our failure. Second uh, Kings, we started looking at this last, last week. Let's go through this again real quickly, if you don't mind. Elisha, this powerful prophet, all these young preachers and prophets were following him around. You remember, he's the one that received a double portion when Elijah was uh, taken up into heaven. Elisha received a double portion. He hung in there with him and they had started a prophet school. Elisha has this power of God on him and he started this prophet school and it's grown so much that they've got to expand. Let's go to the story. We're going to look at it again right here. Now, Elisha, the sons of the prophet said to, now the sons of the prophet, now the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, behold, now the place before you where we are living is too limited for us. Living is too limited for us. Verse two. Please let us go to the Jordan and each of us take from there a beam. And so let us make a place for ourselves where we may live. So he said, go. Verse three. Then one said, please be willing to go with your servants. And he answered, I shall go. So he went with them. And when he came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water and he cried out and said, alas, my master, my master, for it was borrowed. Verse six. Then the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place and he cut off the stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. 
Then he said, take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand and he took it. Again, if you remember, those days and these days aren't quite the same. You, you mess up something that you've borrowed, you'd be in some pretty serious trouble. But we started to look right here at this example. You know, the funny thing is in this story, this man is working for the Lord. Right? They are building something for the Lord. They are working with the prophet. They're doing everything right. The man of God saying, yeah, let's go and let's do this. Let's all work together. Let's stay together. And they're working. And all of a sudden, the axe head falls off. Now, I said this last week. Have you ever slung, slung an axe where the axe head comes loose and it'll fall off the handle? Has anybody ever done that? I have. It's one of those things where you hold it up. If you hold it up too long, it'll come down and hit your hands. You've got to swing it and keep it out on the end. Well, the axe head fell off. And he's like, wait a minute, master. I have got a serious problem for it was borrowed. And he's working for the Lord and now he's got a disaster. But, but I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything right, God. Does that mean when we're out working for the Lord, even if we're doing the right things, that we're not going to experience problems? No, we are. Even when we're doing the right thing. So, let's look at it. Well, number one, we started looking at some principles to help us to get from failure to victory. Principles for turning failure into victory. We saw this last week. Admit you had a problem. You know, the guy could have just said, oh, I'm in trouble, but you know what? I'll just deal with it later. I'll just take the consequences. I'll just, I'll just take it all on my shoulders and I hope everything will be okay. You know, but he didn't. He said, wait a minute. I've got a problem. He admits something has gone wrong. You want to start dealing with the problem that you've got in your life, even if we want to go into the more major things like alcoholism or addiction or pornography, you've got to admit you've got a problem, even if it's something small. You've got to come to that point of saying, I have a problem. Father, I have a problem. He's come to the man of God. You know what? By coming to the man of God, he is going to God. Father, I have a problem. It's the starting point. Number two, we have got to go back to the place where the problem started. We talked last week again about even resentment and bitterness and how Derek Prince talked about it being like a piece of shrapnel that's gotten in a, a soldier's body that you can dress the outside and sew it back up where the cut was, but if you don't get the shrapnel out, that problem's only going to get worse. It'll eventually kill you. It may look okay from the outside. It may start stop hurting for a little while. But if that stays in, you've got to take you've got to take care of it. And let me tell you, it hurts to dig back in. That's why we see with psychologists or therapists, they'll start going back into your childhood to find out where did the problem happen. What's the root of this problem? Because we can't just keep putting band aids on it. You're just going to wind up in the same place again. That's why in marriage, if you don't deal with your issues, you'll just get divorced and get remarried again and you'll be at the same place again because you've got those issues still. Deal with those issues. You've got to go back where the problem started. Do you remember what, when, the, when the servant came up to Elisha and said, wait, master, this has happened. What did Elisha say? Where did it fall? Let's go back there. And you know what the servant did? Where did it fall? He said, right over there. So he took him back to where the problem started. We need to take a close look at where the problems began. It's a painful process. But understand how to turn failure into victory. We've got to go back. 
Number three, we have got to apply the cross of Christ. When you go go back to where the problem started, we must apply the cross of Christ to that situation. In verse 6, the prophet prophet asked, where did the axe head fall? And the young preacher, this young preacher boy showed him the place and he said, what did he say that he did? What did did Elisha do? He cut off a stick and he threw it there. Do you remember? He cut off a stick and he threw it there. He put the wood on the place of the problem. This is the second time that this example has happened. It's the second time that this has happened in the Old Testament. Do you remember with Moses when they came to the bitter water? How was the bitter waters healed? By a tree. By wood. And I want you to know this is imagery of the cross. Applying the cross of Jesus Christ to your problem. What did Elisha do? He threw the wood down and what happened? The problem came up. The problem came up. Moses said, put a tree in there. And when he did, what happened to the water? It got sweet. They could drink it again. And they became fertile again. You know, in my 10 years of ministry, I've observed that when I teach the truth of God and you come to the cross of Christ, a miraculous change happens in your life that only God can do. It's nothing that I can do. Only God can do it. And the only reason that I'm here as your pastor is because I know that God can do for people when they finally turn their life over to Him and apply the cross of Jesus to their situation. I know what God can do. That's the only way I can stand here is because of my hope in Jesus Christ. And that when you come up here with so many problems, and let, let me tell you, we all have them, there's hope. There's hope. We've just got to apply the wood to it. For some of you, the only reason you've got a marriage together is because of the wood, because of the cross has been applied to it. If you hadn't placed Christ in the middle of your marriage, you would not be sitting here. Let's look at this just for a moment. What does the blood of Jesus do for us? And I want to encourage you over the next few weeks, this is where we're going to focus, is on the blood of Jesus. What does the blood of Jesus provide for us? Number one, it provides forgiveness and salvation. The hope of eternal life. When that blood of Jesus is applied to your life, your name is written in heaven. And salvation is not just a one-time experience. How many knows you need to be saved more than once in your life? I don't mean about coming to the cross and giving your heart to Jesus, but I need rescued regularly. I need the cross of Jesus. I need that blood sprinkled over my doorpost and lintel daily. Daily. Do you know the blood of Jesus is there for ours to access regularly? That when I sin, when I fall short, I can apply the blood of Jesus right then. I don't have to wait for a goose pimple. I don't have to wait for the right moment in my mind. I can do it right now. Where you are right now and what you've walked in here with, these problems that you've walked in here with, it, it, it is time to plead the blood of Jesus. What is that? It's not pleading, God, my case. God, I'm innocent. God, I, I, it, me, me, me. Nope. It's not even pleading innocence because you're not innocent. 
That's part of admitting the problem. I'm not innocent. I'm deserving of where I am. But I plead the blood of Jesus that cleanses me of all unrighteousness. It's the only thing that can make me clean. Yet it is mine to claim. It doesn't say if you did these sins, you can't claim the blood of Jesus. It doesn't say if you've just failed and failed and failed and you're just a big loser, you can't claim the blood of Jesus. No, we can confess our sins one to another. If we'll confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. It's not based on you, it's based on Him and His blood. He's provided His blood for our cleansing. But what also does the blood of Jesus provide for us? It continually acts on, on our relationship with Him. Do you know the blood is constantly talking for you? The blood speaks for you. It's speaking on your behalf. We're going to be singing in the next few weeks a song that we used to sing, uh, Nothing But the Blood, the, the new version. Your blood speaks a better name. It, it speaks in my defense. It speaks for me. Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. Jesus is sitting next to the Father saying, Do you remember Him? I'm here to talk to you about Him and how He needs your help. I've given my blood, my, my life for that person, for her. Father, they need help. Give them help. It acts on our relationship. It's not just a state of being. Justification is more than what I am in Christ, but it's what I have become in Christ. It's not just a state of being. It is a process. First John uh, 1 John 1.7 says, If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. Did I not get it all? Cleanses us. Isn't that funny? How could I miss that? Cleanses us from sin. If we walk in the light. Now, y'all know I'm a big if-then person, right? You come on Wednesday night, you know I'm a big if and then. If you will hear my voice and obey my word, then you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. If we walk in the light, we have to walk. We have to walk uprightly. Do you remember the last three, the three things that we've been talking about Wednesday night that we've got to seek the Lord? We've got to fear the Lord and we've got to walk uprightly. We do those three things and we'll receive all the promises of God. If we walk in the light as he is in the light and we have fellowship with one another. Sorry, folks, we've got to fellowship. We've got to go to the uh, this isn't just a way of fellowship, but we've got to go eat the chocolate fountain. Some No men allowed. Well, I'll help set the thing up. David will help me. If we have fellowship with one another, and if we walk in the light, Jesus Christ's blood cleanses us from sin. Hallelujah. 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 This Greek word cleanse 
means also means catharsis. Obedience opens up for cleansing, the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. Disobedience is the lid that clogs up the cleansing. When we have failure, there's a tendency to walk away. There's a tendency when we think we've made a mistake or a disastrous failure to pack up and withdraw. And what happens? That clogs up God's cleansing. No, go back to the cross right there. Not only do we, receive God, do we receive God's forgiveness, but we become able to forgive ourselves, which is much more a much more dis- difficult process. It's always God is always ready to forgive us. We're often more unwilling to forgive ourselves. So we apply the cross, and then what do we do? We expect a miracle. Church, I want you to know I'm praying for breakthrough in your life. Elizabeth and I are praying for breakthrough in your life. We are praying for a miracle. Expect a miracle. You know when they threw, when Elisha threw the wood in the stream? Elisha expected a response. He did not throw that out there just in hoping, well, maybe something will happen. Nope, he, I think he knew it. He completely expected when he put this out and he put his faith out and he put his faith to work, he was going to see it. With man, it's impossible. With God, possible. How many times do we see God come into our failures and do miracles for us that we can't understand or figure out in our own strength? If you look at some of the great men of, 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 of the Bible, Abraham was called a friend of God. Jacob was called a prince of God. Moses sp- spoke to God face to face. David was a man after God's own heart. Jesus loved Peter so much that one day he said, I'll give you the keys of heaven and on earth. And, it was, and Paul was God's chosen instrument. But great men of God had two things in common. Great men of God had two things in common. Number one, they were greatly used by God. Right? Everybody knows about Peter and Paul and Abraham and Moses and David. They're household names in the, book, in, in the Bible. But what else? They all failed God. Desperately. They all failed God. How? Abraham lied. Jacob was deceitful. Moses killed an Egyptian. David committed adultery and murder. Peter denied the Lord at a crucial time. And Paul was a murderer. Look at David and Saul. Saul died in disgrace. David died it with honor. David died in glory, yet they both failed God. In fact, if you really wanted to weigh the sins... In our, in our day, we would maybe think David's sins were worse. Saul had pride and jealousy, but David committed adultery and murder. What's the difference? It was their response to the failure. Saul fell in disgrace, but David repented. He turned to God. He asked for forgiveness and he came back to the Father. It wasn't their problem that was their problem. It was their response to the problem. And then finally, principles for reaching victory. Reach out and pick up the power. Did you see in verse 4? I'm sorry, verse 7, when the axe head began to float, what did Elisha say? Pick it up. He said, pick it up. Take it up for yourself. So he put out his hand and he took it. Now, when the iron begins to float, this preacher boy's got to be amazed. He's calling all the other guys, hey, look at this, look at that. And Elijah says, pick it up. Pick the 
thing up. Come here and look at this. You see, Elijah, don't just stand there and gawk at the miracle. Reach out and pick it up and use it for God's work. Miracles are not for our amazement or amusing, uh, amusement. When God allows a miracle to come, it comes for one thing, and that's for us to do something with it. <clears throat> the question is not, have I failed? Come on. How many of you have failed at least once in your life? Look at the person next to you and say, you failed. Don't be afraid. They know. The question is, will I choose to continue failing? Will I wallow in this failure? You see, if we're going to go from failure to victory, you've got to realize that you're going to fail. If you intend to do something great for God, you're going to experience problems. The Christian life is not problem-free. Instead, it is, it is a victorious life in spite of the problems. Now, let me just give you a couple examples as I close. In 1902, Atlantic Monthly Poetry Editor and the Atlantic Monthly Poetry Editor, editor returned a batch of poems to a 28-year-old poet with this note. It says, Our magazine has no room for your poetry. And Robert Frost received his poems back. In 1905, at the University of Bern, a Ph.D. applicant flunched, flunked his dissertation when his mentor wrote these words, Your dissertation is not relevant. And Albert Einstein flunked. In 1894, an English teacher in Harrow, England, uh, wrote a 16-year-old's grade card, You have a conspicuous lack of of success, and the top of that card was Winston Churchill. The opening day of the 54 uh, baseball season, the Cincinnati Reds played Milwaukee Braves. Jim Greengrass was four for four that day. All four trips to the plate were doubles, and the headlines talked about his rookie's opening game, but there was another rookie on the Milwaukee Braves who was 0 for 5 that day, no hits, but when he retired, everyone remembered Hank Aaron as being one of the greatest home run hitters ever. Billy Graham was engaged to a girl named Emily, but she broke the engagement. He said it crushed him and he had a hard time getting over the rejection. But when he got over that problem and got victory over that problem, there was a beautiful lady, Ruth Bell Graham, who he came to be blessed by for the next many years. Michael Jordan was cut from his freshman basketball team. I don't care who you look up. They have all experienced problems. But great men and women have overcome those problems. Everyone. The failure in our life is not the failure. It's how we respond to it. Two people undergoing the same difficulty. One applies the cross to the root of that difficulty, learns from the situation, and turns failure into victory. The other puts his head down and says, Life is sour and bitter and walks away lo lonely and tore down. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, where's my help? Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. You remember back in the day when that was the only thing to watch on Sundays? Hee-haw. Was it Sunday or Saturday? Saturday. 
And, you know, you're sitting there watching it thinking, I really don't like this that much. But there's nothing else on. I was thankful to have just something to watch that wasn't the news as a child. But, man, that just about stretched me to a point that I couldn't. You know what? Gloom, despair? Uh Uh-uh. Let's go. Give it to the Lord. Start seeking the Lord in your problems and get breakthrough. I want you to know as as the pastors of this church, pastors, wives, families, we are praying for you. We are believing for your breakthrough. It's time for you to start believing. Amen? Y'all stand up with me. Father, we just ask for breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you are not the God of failure. You are the God of victory. Lord, you are the God of making our mistakes Your word says that you work all things out for good. That you're able to work our failures into good. We can't see that in the midst of our failures, Lord. But Lord, help us to apply the wood, to apply the cross of Jesus Christ, to come back to the cross and say, Lord God, I have blown it. Forgive me and help me. Master, The axe head has fallen off and it's borrowed. I am in horrible shape. I can't face tomorrow without that axe head. I need your help. Would you do that right where you're sitting right now? Just between you and the Lord. Just give him that problem. Just let him know he already knows. He's just waiting for you to walk into the light. Walk out of the darkness of your failure and walk in the light as He is in the light. Thank you, Lord. Help us to have a heart of David, not a heart of Saul. Saul wanted to blame other people. David took ownership of his sin. Help us, Lord. Give us breakthrough. You may be here this morning and you may say, Pastor, I've never even received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Scripture tells us that if you will confess, if you will confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Right where you sit, will you do that? Will you just say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Lord, I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. It's time to change. It's time to walk differently. It's time to walk into the light. You may be here this morning and need someone to pray with you. We want to pray with you this morning. Step out this morning and just let us pray for breakthrough over your life, whether it's your health or your family or your children. Let us pray with you this morning. Those that are ministering, would y'all step out? And as we sing, just step out and let us pray with you for just a moment. In Jesus' name, amen.